For today's video, we talk about a recent decision from the District Court of D.C. refusing to dismiss complaints against Donald Trump that he violated the Ku Klux Klan Act in his remarks during the January 6th events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncivil Law, where we learn through the misfortunes of others. As always, I hope you'll enjoy this legal education content, and today will be the day I earn your subscription. But first, a huge shout out to this video's supporter, Aura. Aura is a company that can help you with identity theft protection and credit monitoring. When your personal information leaks online, you're at a higher risk of credit card fraud or identity theft, which means that your money and your reputation could be at risk right now. Aura scans the dark web looking for these threats and alerts you if it finds anything. With an easy to use online dashboard and alerts that are sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. So how can you protect yourself? Well, go to aura.com slash uncivil law to protect yourself from hackers, scammers, and nosy advertising companies, among other threats. When you use my link below, r.com slash uncivil law, you'll get up to 40% off on all plans, plus a money back guarantee for new subscribers if you're not fully satisfied, which I believe you will be. r.com slash uncivil law to help protect you against the growing threats of credit card fraud and identity theft protection in this increasing digital age. For today's coverage, we are covering lawsuits against Donald Trump. This is the cases of Bernie Thompson, Eric Swalwell, James Blagsme, Sidney Hamby, and others versus Donald Trump. In this case, they want to sue Donald Trump for conspiracy relating to his remarks on January 6th. And the District Court of D.C. has analyzed this and refused to dismiss against Donald Trump allowing the case to at least proceed past the motion to dismiss stage. So this case also dealt with other people, by the way. It dealt with some Proud Boys and some other groups who were dismissed, incidentally. So the other groups were dismissed, but not Donald Trump. So we're going to read some of the court's reasoning and discuss this, and let's get started with this. The Alleged Conspiracy before assessing the sufficiency of plaintiff's pleadings, it is important to bear in mind what the alleged unlawful conspiracy is and what it is not, okay? It is not that the defendants conspired to sow doubt and distrust and mistrust about the legitimacy of the electoral process and results of the 2020 presidential election, okay? The conspiracy is not the sowing doubts and mistrust, okay? Nor is it that the defendants work together to influence, pressure, or coerce local officials, members of Congress, and the vice president to overturn a lawful election result. So that isn't the conspiracy, the working together to influence, pressure, or coerce officials. Okay. Though many officials might view such conduct as undemocratic or far worse, neither is an example of an actual conspiracy under federal law. The conspiracy alleged is defendants agreed to prevent by force, threat, or intimidation Swalwell and the plaintiffs from discharging their duties in certifying the results of the presidential election and the president and vice president-elect from accepting or holding their offices. So it's not influencing pressure or coercion. It is exactly that we were trying to prevent, force, intimidate, or threaten them from discharging their duties or 
creating the electoral college results. Okay, so that's the conspiracy we're trying to prove. I make a point of mentioning this, by the way, because some of the rhetoric of the court will not track this distinction. President Trump and his allies created the conditions that would enable the violence that happened that day. According to the complaints, President Trump convinced his supporter that the election has been stolen from him. Now, by way of standard disclaimer, of course, to YouTube, I am quoting from the court's decision. I do not necessarily believe these things. I do not necessarily believe that the election was stolen. President Donald Trump has made those claims. I am not making those claims. I am merely quoting the court who has noted President Trump has made the claims. I am not making any claims myself that the election was stolen. Okay, let's proceed on. When another Georgia official asked the President Trump to condemn these actions, urging him to stop inspiring people to commit acts of violence, and more than someone is going to get shot, someone's going to kill, the president remains silent. So we're trying to say the president is responsible for these actions of others. Remember, the entire claim here is that he is involved in a conspiracy. That's the claim we're trying to prove. He's involved in a conspiracy to get these things done by these words or lack thereof. Now, using lack of words to prove a conspiracy is definitely a new concept in my legal dictionary. I just have to let you know. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will be seeing whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country, our country, according to President Trump. Now, I'd like to take note here that under the relevant law, that in order to have incitement, you have to, you know, encourage people to engage in imminent lawless action, among other things. And march down and have your voices heard and peacefully stand and so forth and so on doesn't seem like, you know, incitement of illegal behavior, certainly not of, you know, take invading the Capitol. So, uh, okay, but somehow we're going to get from this a conspiracy. At some point, the crowd began sh shouting, st storm the Capitol, invade the Capitol building, and take the Capitol right now. This, this is the crowd at the Capitol, apparently. They also began to chant, fight like hell and fight like Trump, which apparently Trump was supposed to have heard. I don't think so. At the conclusion of his speech, the president told the rally goers, I said, something's wrong here. Something's really wrong. Can't have happened. And we'll fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. President Trump had not, as promised, joined the crowd at the Capitol, which, you know, kind of shows a problem on the conspiracy. But about a half hour after rioters had entered the Capitol building, the president tweeted, please support our Capitol police and law enforcement. They're truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. This is part of the conspiracy, by the way the stay peaceful thing, apparently. About 90 minutes later at 4.17 p.m., the president tweeted a video in which he again appeared the election had been stolen, but told his supporters to go home. He said to them, I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We love you. You're very special. And then at 6 p.m., the president sent another tweet. There are things and events that happened where a sacred landslide election video is so unceremoniously and viciously slipped away from the great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and peace. Remember this day forever. Okay, with those array of facts in place, with Donald Trump and what he did on January 6th and in the lead up to January 6th, 
with his statements, which to my mind seem very similar to what a lot of politicians say. I mean, you know, let's fight, let's stand up, don't take no for an answer, let's fight, let's fight like hell. These things seem like things other politicians have said and seem part of the normal rhetoric. But with these things in place, the district court is going to show why this amounts to a potential conspiracy where Donald Trump knowingly conspired with the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, among others. Uh, okay, let's do some legal analysis to show all that. Viewing the foregoing well-pled facts in the light most favorable to plaintiff and drawing all reasonable inferences, the court concludes the complaint establishes a plausible conspiracy involving Donald Trump. The civil conspiracy includes the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, Tario, and others who entered the Capitol on January 6th with the intent to disrupt the certification of the election through force, intimidation, or threats. Uh, okay. At the rally itself, the president gave a rousing speech in which he repeated the false narrative of a stolen election, which sounds like an opinion, but not a direction and not an invitation to a conspiracy, but the crowd responded by chanting and screaming, storm the Capitol, invade the Capitol, take the Capitol right now and fight for Trump. Still, the president ended his speech by telling the crowd, we fight like hell. This assumes President Trump could hear any of this in a crowd of 250,000 people that were at that rally at the ellipse, that he was able to hear these things. And even if he could, that that somehow rises to a conspiracy. Because then he said, we fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, which is things other politicians have said. Almost immediately after these words, he called on the rally goers to march to the Capitol to give pride and boldness to reluctant lawmakers to take back our country. Importantly, it was the president and his campaign's idea to send thousands towards the Capitol while certification was underway. A march to rally, to raise your voices in protest. Uh, okay. Again, YouTube, just quoting the legal documents here, not, not saying that anything the President Trump was saying is good, correct, legal, or anything else. I'm not advocating for this. I'm certainly not advocating for any acts of violence. I don't believe in violence. I'm not advocating for people to storm the Capitol. I'm not approving of people who did. I'm not approving of any other acts of violence, not calling for violence. Team YouTube, Reading legal documents, we're discussing what a judge thinks happened and just providing some legal analysis, not encouraging. Let's press on some more. Second, it's also plausible the president was aware of the essential nature and general scope of the conspiracy. He knew the respective roles of the conspirators. His was to encourage the use of force, intimidation, or threats. How did he do that? How did he encourage the use of force, intimidation, or threats? The president expressed knowledge of the Proud Boys during a presidential debate because he was asked about the Proud Boys expressly, in which he said Proud Boys stand back and stand by, which doesn't sound like an incitement to me. Sounds like the opposite of that. He also likely knew of the Oath Keepers based on group public profile at pro-Trump rallies in Washington, D.C., it's reasonable to infer that President Trump knew that, there were, that these were militia groups and were prepared to partake in violence for him. Even if he knew that, that doesn't mean a conspiracy. Just even if I know for a matter of fact, there's a group out there that is going to conduct 
things of advocacy, including violence, my knowledge does not make a conspiracy. Conspiracy is based on agreement, not knowledge. I can know you're going to break the law. I can know you're going to do so violently. That doesn't mean I'm involved in a conspiracy. It doesn't mean I'm an accessory. My, my mere knowledge is not enough. It requires an agreement to enter into the conspiracy. The president and his advisors allegedly actively monitored websites where supporters made violent posts, and such posts were discussed on Fox News, a media outlet regularly viewed by the president. Wow. He also would have known about violence threats made against state officials, which have refused to which he refused to condemn. You can't, you're not required to condemn them. That's, yeah. The president then plausibly would have known that a call for violence would be carried out by militia groups and other supporters. Sure, I, I agree with that if he had made a call for violence. Third, the plaintiff's allegations show a call and response quality of the president's communication, of which the president would have been aware. The complaints contain numerous examples of the president's communications being understood by supporters as direct messages to them, and in the case, a call for action. But the call for action was to go down to the Capitol and make your voices heard. When President Trump tweeted an invitation to the January 6th rally, and he's allowed to have a rally, pro-Trump message boards and social media lit up with supporters expressing willingness to act violently if needed. Even assuming Trump knew that, it doesn't mean he's involved in the conspiracy. He's inviting them for the purpose of a rally. You need to show agreement and concord between the, between the alleged conspirators. When he called on them to march to the Capitol, some responded, stormed the Capitol, but he didn't echo them back. His silence is not acceptance. Silence is not acceptance is a basic principle of law. Silence is not acceptance. Fourth, the president's January 6th rally speech can be reasonably viewed as a call for collective action. Sure, it can. But what is the nature of the collective action? To name just a few examples, we will not take it anymore. We will stop the steal. We will never give up. We will never concede. We will never take it anymore. These all sound like things other politicians have said to my mind. And finally, a tacit agreement involving the president is made all the more plausible by his response to the violence that erupted at the Capitol building. Approximately 12 minutes after rioters entered the Capitol building, the president sent a tweet criticizing the vice president for having the courage to what should have been done to protect our country. Tacit agreement? That's not a thing in conspiracy. You actually have to have an agreement. And then at around 6 p.m., after law enforcement had cleared the building, the president issued the following tweet, quote, These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election viscery is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away. Those are the president's words, not mine. A reasonable observer could read that tweet as, ratifying violence and other acts that took place at the Capitol only hours earlier. Really, when he says go home with love and peace, that's ratification? Also, even if it is ratification, you can't conspire after the fact. When some supporters threaten state election officials, he refused to condemn them. He has no affirmative duty to condemn. And following a 75-minute speech in which he blamed corrupt and weak politicians for election loss, he called on them to march to the very place where it's taking place. Yeah, march. Thus, that brings us to the end of this decision against Donald Trump, which is holding him potentially responsible for engaging in a conspiracy with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. The district court refuses to dismiss.
They dismiss against the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, ironically, but not against President Donald Trump. They say that President Donald Trump was engaged in a conspiracy using his rhetoric, which seems very similar to what a lot of other politicians do. But as this case develops, we will keep track, and at least for a moment, that brings us to the end of the discussion of this case. Thank you so much for being part of the Uncivil Law family. If you enjoyed this legal education content, please hit the subscribe button. It really helps the channel grow. We appreciate your continuing support. Until later, my friends, cheers and goodbye.